going to read a very familiar uh, text, 146 Psalm, verses 3 and 4. Do not put your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. His spirit departs, he returns to his earth, in that very day his thoughts perish. I've entitled this message, Gate to Glory. It is generally believed that as soon as one dies, he enters into a state of activity, either into heaven or into eternal torment. Many people believe this. They are honest in their belief, but the belief is not according to the Word of God. I want to present to you this morning a few ways between reasons why I cannot accept this belief, although I preached it for many years, but after studying, and even while I was preaching, there were doubts in my mind as to whether this was the way the Bible teaches or whether it was not. I would inquire about it, and everyone that I inquired, many that I inquired about, would say, "Well, uh, the thing to do is just accept it." And one person said, "Now you better be very careful, because if you don't, you might end up into the Jehovah's Witnesses or some cult." But I'm glad that we're not a cult; that we do hold strictly to the Word of God. People often tell us that it makes no difference what we believe if we are honest. I maintain and always have maintained that it does make a difference when it comes down to our basic teachings. But there are other areas in which there's a variety of opinions and where the Bible doesn't particularly come out and say in plain words, this is the way or that is the way. But when we come to our basic doctrines in the Word of God, we do have a thus saith the Lord for every one of them. And we find as we go throughout the country in churches of God that we are all united on believing that the cardinal doctrines of the Word of God that the Church of God uh, teaches. The question that is to be settled is not whether pe people are honest in believing a proposition, but what is the truth? What does the Bible teach? The Bible invariably teaches the coming of Christ and the resurrection of the dead. These two are together. When Christ comes, the dead in Christ shall rise first. They are not separated. There must be a resurrection before there can be a rewarding of the righteous or of the rewarding of the wicked. Those who have died are in a state of unconsciousness uh, waiting until the time when Christ comes to resurrect the righteous at the first coming or at, at, and at the 
unrighteous at the end of the thousand years. Luke makes this very clear in Luke 14, 13, and 14. But thou, when thou makest a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. Plainly telling us that our reward will come at the resurrection of the just. Not the moment we die, but when Jesus comes. Matthew 16, 27. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then shall he reward every man according as his work shall be. Very two very plain scriptures. They need not be interpreted. We need not say very much about them. They just plainly tell us what is the truth on this line. The resurrection of the dead is taught in the Bible. Job says way back there in his book in the 19th chapter the 25th to the 27th verses I know that my redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter days upon the earth and though after my skin worms destroy this body yet in my flesh shall I see God whom I shall see for myself and mine eyes shall behold and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. Job had a hope of a resurrection. So did David. David said, As for me, I shall behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. One of his psalms, the 17th psalm and the 15th verse. Coming down into the New Testament, Jesus said, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of judgment. Here we have three witnesses all telling us of a resurrection. Job, David, and Jesus. We could go on and compile many more witnesses that also had a hope of the resurrection. We think of Paul and all of his writings. If death then is the gate to an endless joy, then Adam's disobedience should have resulted in the greatest blessing that could come to us. If death is a gate to glory, we should not have, we could not have any gate without death. So death was the penalty of sin and God's violated law. We should not have any death if Adam had not sinned. Death is not the gateway. Resurrection is the gateway. Hence, we would not have a gate to glory, and how absurd it would be, it would be, we have to admit. No sin, no death, no death, no gate to glory. 
If man had been going to glory since the first time man died, what need there would be of a resurrection? If death is a great to glory, what is the good people to fear when they die? Nobody, most people don't want to die. We want to live as long as we can live. If these people who think that the moment they die they're in a greater realm and they're free from all these uh, ills and all the troubles of the earth, why wouldn't they be happy to face such a situation? But the Word tells us, and, they, and down in their conscience, they know that death is an enemy. It robs them of life. No matter what kind of a life or what we go through, we still want to hang on to life. Death is an enemy that God is going to finally destroy. Genesis 3.22 And the Lord God said, Behold, man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. When Adam disobeyed, he was barred from the tree of life, and God in his mercy allowed man to die. Wouldn't it have been a terrible thing in all of the sin and all the sickness that man has if he just lived on and on and on? In God's judgment, there is still mercy. And sometimes we see people that we know and feel that it is God's mercy when God allows them to fall asleep and they're uh, relieved of their uh, aches and pains. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground. For out of it was thou taken. For dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. This is in the very first part of the Bible, in Genesis, the third chapter. Now, there is no place you can find in all of uh, God's dealings with Adam that he told him, now, if you be faithful and obey me, at some point you're going to die and I'm going to take you to heaven. God gave Adam this earth, gave him dominion over it. And he said that if he was faithful, if he would be faithful, then he would have dominion over all the earth. If he would not be faithful, if he disobeyed, then death would be his portion. He would die and be removed from the face of the earth. A very good text is about death is in Ecclesiastes 9.5. For the living know that they shall die. We all know that. We all hope that it's sometime in the far future. But the dead know not anything. Neither have they any more a reward. For the memory of them is forgotten. We have a knowledge. The dead does not have a knowledge. They know not anything. The text that I read... I quoted to an uncle of mine who <coughs> went to a church that 
didn't believe like we do. When it said that his spirit departs, he returns to his earth, and that very day his thoughts perish. Well, he said that's just like it is. He, he held his wife in his arms when she died, and she said, he said that's just like it is. She breathed her last, and she was gone, and there was no help anywhere for her. But yet, they hold on to the other way. The high priest, in his typical teaching, proves that men do not go to heaven. The high priest, you know, enters the Holy of Holies once a year. The Holy of Holies is a type of heaven. The high priest, our high priest, is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died when the high priest went in to the Holy of Holies. He went in with blood. Our high priest, Jesus Christ, shed his blood on Calvary. Then he was resurrected and he ascended into heaven and went into the presence of God after having shed his blood to make, to make atonement for us. Death for anybody else would not have prevailed. It had to be the perfect sacrifice. Jesus said to his disciples just before he died, he said, Yet a little while I am with you, and then I go unto him that sent me. Ye shall seek me, and shall not find me, and where I go, thither ye cannot come. Again he said in John 13, 33, Little children, yet a little while I am with you. Ye shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, Whether I go, you cannot come. Twice. He's saying, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to heaven, and where I go, you cannot come. Now after the high priest went into the Holy of Holies, and sprinkled the blood on the mercy seat. Then he came out and blessed the people. There we see a type there of Jesus who is now in the Holy of Holies in heaven. And someday he's going to come out and he's going to come back and he's going to bless the people. He's going to bless us here on this earth. The writer of the book of Hebrews in Hebrews 9.28 said, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. We are to be looking for the coming of the Lord, to be watching for him, to be waiting for him, to be expecting him and to love his appearing. There is no one in this congregation, I myself included, that can tell when Jesus is coming back. We know and we look at the signs all around about us and we know that it must be soon. But we don't know what day, we don't know what hour. Therefore, we should constantly be expecting and watching. Jesus said, Watch therefore, 
For you know neither the day nor the hour when it, wherein the Son of Man cometh. Are we longing for his coming? Are we watching for his coming? In First Thessalonians, Paul wrote to the church, and the, and the uh, theme of First Thessalonians is in twofold. First, the coming of uh, Christ, and then how we should live to be ready. Now, these two go together, that we are know the truth of his coming, we're waiting for him, watching for him, and also that we are living, that so that when he comes, we will find a place in his kingdom. He said to these people in 1 Thessalonians 1, 9 and 10, For they themselves show us of what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, who he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. The things I noticed in this text, he said first that they turned from idols to serve the living God. There is our conversion, our turning around, being baptized into Christ. Then he said they are wait to wait wait for his son from heaven. There is the second part, and that takes in our initial salvation when we come to Christ, our process of salvation as we live daily, and then our consummation of salvation when Jesus comes and this mortal puts on immortality. When Jesus comes, he's going to gather his people, and there's going to be a marriage supper. Jesus speaks of himself as the bridegroom, the church being in a state of sorrow and fasting during his absence, and then his coming to gather together his bride. John saw this in Revelation, the 19th chapter, when he said, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife hath made herself ready. Notice that last phrase there. His wife hath made herself ready. Something on our part. We have to do to be ready. We have to make ourselves ready. Cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the mind. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he said unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me, These are the true sayings of God. What a great time that will be when Jesus comes back to claim his bride and we are united 
with him. The marriage supper when is when Christ returns, the bride does not go to heaven to live with him. The bridegroom before the marriage comes to earth to take take them uh, as his own. And then the recompense of the reward and the inheritance of the saints, the home of the redeemed, is of such a nature that it is impossible to receive it at death or in a disembodied state. We learned that we were rewarded at the resurrection. We inherit eternal life at the resurrection. And then we enter into our home which is on the earth at the resurrection. Behold, the righteous shall be recompensed in the earth, much more the wicked and the sinner. The sinner, the, right, we're, the righteous are going to be rewarded on the earth. The unrighteous and the sinners are going to receive their reward on the earth. Therefore, we have noticed from the verses that we read that we are to be rewarded not at death, not in a disembodied state, but at the resurrection of the just. The direct scripture Jesus said to the apostles as well as to all the Jews, where I go, ye cannot come. There's a barrier there. Jesus went to heaven, but he said to the Jews, you can't follow me. And he said to his disciples, you cannot come. He went there alone, but remember also around that time he said that he goes to going to heaven to prepare a place for them and then he's going to return to receive us unto himself the coming of the Lord to receive we saw the type of the high priest the book of Hebrews plainly tells us that Jesus is our high priest he fulfilled the sacrifice was required he entered into the Holy of Holies in heaven to, be, to appear for us, and then he's coming out and coming to the earth to reward us. Pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. <laughs>